This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. It's time for Film Study Baltimore with the man, Kevin McCusick. From Film Study Baltimore, he joins us courtesy of the WGK Law Guest Hotline. What's going on, Ken? Hey, Rob. Looks good. Hey, man. It's 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 good all together. So much going on. Football, Orioles still alive in the playoffs. Nothing to complain about right now. Now, uh, many people have – we talked about this earlier. The criticism of Lamar, the interception was a horrible decision, horrible throw, but there also were seven drop passes in that game. Pro Football Focus rated him the top-rated quarterback for Week Five at ninety-four point six. Where do you put Lamar's overall performance from Sunday? I thought he was really good. Um, the, the, you mentioned the one truly awful throw. I thought OBJ did really nothing to, to play defense on that interception, which was which was bad. Um, he had an absurd set of uh, high-value drops. Everybody, I think, saw that in terms of what was going on. The, the fall-down play um, from Flowers, where he was behind the defense, I think is really a tracking issue, but he's got to keep his feet there. I saw some of the drift that's been uh, Ryan Mink has been publishing today. There, there is some question as to whether or not he would have caught the ball. The ball's a little thrown a little behind him, but still, there's a lot of yards left on the field. I think we can all agree on that by the, by the receivers specifically in this game. I thought ball placement was excellent. Uh, he did okay with his opportunity set uh, in terms of the pocket. It's very similar to Pickett's uh, in that uh, way. And, you know, he continued to run the ball effectively. So I don't, I don't know much what we want much more than Lamar in a game. I'm going to just switch to defense for a second because I'm just curious what you thought about um, Williams, who looked like he was playing hurt with his pec injuries affecting him. And should Marlon have been, you know, back that quickly? So, yeah, all, all the four guys who returned early unfortunately had a hand in the loss, and, and none of them really played well. Humphrey got beat on the game-winning touchdown by Pickens, as, as you mentioned, and Williams looked like he's playing with one arm. And when you think about it, Williams is pushing out a player who's played very well in terms of Geno Stone, plays a back end well, plays that free safety role, and, and unfortunately uh, that might have been a bad trade yesterday because Williams didn't look very good uh, the way he's moving around the field and, and uh, having difficulty making tackles. Hey, as you look at, I mean, you talked about the players returning, not looking all that well. Um, what did you think about the O-line, more importantly? I, I know you mentioned Ronnie Stanley, but what did you see from them? Yeah, the offensive line as a whole was not particularly great, but Stanley was, was bad. Um, he had a lot of trouble with Highsmith, and it was almost all him. I, I didn't see him get beat by anybody else, but four pressures, a quarterback hit, one sack, and it's actually parts of five and, and two half quarterback hits in there as well. Lamar ran him out of two additional pressures beyond those. Uh, 
Um, and so that, that was additional points he would have lost. Uh, he was fairly far short of passing about 0.06 even after I adjust. So it, it, it you know, was almost a fall off the table game when you really look at the, the two additional um, pressures he might have allowed. He's mirroring pretty well, but the problem is that he still is giving a lot of ground to do it. And he's he's backing right up into the quarterback on on a lot of plays and uh, boy these next few games are going to be really important to see what Ronnie Stanley has left at this point because 2024 is not a guarantee at this point. Ken McCusick joins us from Study Baltimore. A lot of fans are happy to hear that. Uh, Ken, I noticed right now with Mike McDonald, this this defense is is keeping it real simple. Eighty three percent of the downs with just a four man rush. Yeah, they continue to do that, and and they've gotten pretty good pressure. I mean, it's, a, it's actually a very similar uh, set of opportunities for both the Steelers and the, and the Ravens in this, which means the Ravens were good. They got 45% pressure in this game and, and did pretty well holding Pickett down on those plays. Uh, they're playing primarily cover two to start. Now, you can do a lot of things out of that, but they're showing two deep safeties to start most plays. And, you know, it was funny – except it wasn't, <laughs> that they were playing cover two really all the way up to the very last play that was meaningful for Pittsburgh, which was the 41-yard touchdown pass. And then they came up with Williams at the line of scrimmage, rushing the passer with six. It got away from, from what they did well. And, of course, Humphrey then gets beat by being left on an island with Pickens. Uh, don't know if you guys caught it, though. Pickens really shouldn't have gone in the end zone there. This is, that's a play where Pickens has to go down inside the five-yard line. That information is not in the huddle. That's a problem that, that the Steelers have. But I was very happy when I saw it at the bar we were at. <laughs> Good. On bright notes, I mean, it was, I think it was one of the worst losses I've seen since they gave the game away. But Roquan, he just continues to me. He just He's outstanding every, every time I see him play, and I think he really just ignites that defense. Yeah, he's, he's the glue that holds it together in a lot of ways, dominates the middle of the field uh, in, a, in, in multiple ways. He, he, he contributes to pass coverage, obviously, between his levels two and three to take away easy play-action throws. He's a great downhill player on shorter passes, so you don't see a lot of yak given up on those three- and four-yard plays, reacts to that ball really quickly. He's there, hits, sometimes gets a PD out of it, but but takes him down for a quick tackle. And he, he makes McDonald feel comfortable playing nickel versus 12 and a, and a lot of teams, you know, they put that second tight end in there and they might flex them or they might line them up in line. If they line them up in line, then they've got an additional advantage uh, to try and block against your, your, your smaller box of players. But with Hamilton in there, that's another big body on the field, another good tackler. And that will really come important uh, this week against Tennessee who plays a lot of 12 and, and we'll see if the Ravens are willing to play Hamilton at that nickel spot again. Uh, when when that personnel group shows up. Ken, what about the mistake before the half? We've gotten the reason why everything went wrong. I still don't understand. Um, I, I get getting a first down and taking a shot at the end zone, but if it was going to look anything like the pass at the end of the game, <laughs> then, then why? But, uh, I, you know, there's we've had two losses now with Indy and, and now this one where it felt like the game was kind of in hand, that you were going to have it wrapped up. I mean, you totally outplayed the Steelers and, you wind up with a loss. Uh, how frustrating is that? And did you kind of notice the same things, or what were your feelings uh, with the field goal not taken before the half? Yeah, I, I couldn't believe that they actually snapped the ball, and and I I, I didn't actually hear the from the from the presser yesterday whether it was Linderbaum snapping the ball because he saw the the jump off sides. Yeah, he thought he, he jumped off sides. That's why he snapped yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, you know, I guess that's understandable, but you probably have to have a no-snap call there and have to have the guard flinch. And if you get penalized five yards, that doesn't cost you the field goal. 
that just makes it 47 instead of 42, which, you know, probably reduces your chance by a couple percent, but it doesn't, it doesn't change the whole story there. So it's a, that was a situation where Lindenbaum can't take that into his own hands. Well, it was also a situation where you got to protect your players from themselves and uh, not be put up on a line of scrimmage. Looking at this offensive line overall, it seems like every game somebody's leaving with an injury. It's not just Ronnie Stanley. Your thoughts on this offensive lineman, and can they hold up? We're five games into this thing, man. Can they hold up thirteen more? I mean, uh, 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 you know, twelve more games. I think it's a big question. I think if the if the Ravens were to make a big move right now, I'd want it to be a guy who could play left tackle. Uh, would, would be probably the, the the best way they can address this team right now. But they've got now three tackles. None of them are playing particularly well. McCary, who got hurt, uh, you know, was was a C in in this game. A, a up and down game against T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt. They gave him a lot of help in that uh, game and still he had difficulty. Fa'alele was terrible in his very brief time out there. Uh, two half shares of sacks in a, in a relatively small amount of time. Although I will say, Justice Hill whiffed like you almost could never whiff on a, on a chip block that allowed that last sack. So, you know, I think, that, I think the Ravens have to seriously consider right now whether they go out and get an offensive tackle and what exactly they're willing to give up to do it. Uh, part of, of getting a guy now would be thinking about a Roquan Smith-type deal where they could sign him next year, probably. And, and I think it has to be a guy who can play left tackle at this point. Somebody that gets forgotten about because of the position is Pat Ricard. I've been watching the last couple of weeks, and he's sprung some nice runs. He's actually used very good pass protection, I think. What do you make of his performance? I, I'm sorry. Who did you say there? Pat, Pat Ricard. Hey, Pat Ricard, yes. No, he's played well. Um, a big contribution as a pass blocker in this game. I uh, had that holding call, which is very important, unfortunately, and that's something that's going to be remembered. But he's also one of the guys they were they were counting on to get square up against T.J. Watt first before they would leave him for either McCary or Falalele behind him. And uh, it did a real good job of that, honestly. Been a good run blocker his whole career. Still is doing that well. And it was a little surprising to see him be as much of a of a component of the Monken offense as he has been so far. Yeah, I'm kind of curious your thoughts on this, Ken, about how different the offense looks this year as opposed to last year. I've seen so many commentators and talking heads say it looks just like last year's offense. I see a bunch of differences. Do you see the same thing? Yeah, I mean, they, they, they don't play nearly as much two men in the backfield as they did. They play more under center. They play more spread. They, there's, there's a ton of differences. It's, but but is they have kept important components of the Roman offense, which is a good thing. You still have a lot of two-man counters that are leading the deception on the team. Uh, they, they have, a you know, still run a lot of the same read option, uh, just not as much, you know, in, right in front of Lamar, generally out of sidecar. Um, so there are lots of elements. They, they didn't throw away the whole run game, and it's a damn good thing they didn't because that run game was not broken. So what was really broken is is not challenging the field vertically, and they've done a better job of that. So uh, I, I'm, I'm very I'm very uh, pro uh, Monken at this point. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pro Monken as well. Uh, here with Ken McCusick from Film Study Baltimore. Ken, as you're watching film for this team, and I know you you're watching it more than once, uh, I want you to, to complete this. If the Ravens don't fix this, it's going to be a long season. Yeah, I think if, if the Ravens don't fix their tackle play, it's going to be a long season. So I guess we've gone over this some in, in, in just the last couple of minutes. Uh, they, they, they have to figure that out. And, and this is looking a lot in terms of the tackle play 
like we're getting a repeat of 2021. So Ronnie Stanley, you know, we often say this in business, hope is not a strategy, but that may be the only strategy that's left to the to the Ravens this year is to hope Ronnie Stanley can, can write the ship and play well because so far he really hasn't. What do you think right now as we sit, you know, after week five, uh, my, I, think, I thought they should have been 5-0, and oh, and this I don't think I'm being a homer here. They really blew the Colts game. I think this one was given away. How do they sit now that this, you know, just right in the middle of it now with the Steelers are 3-2 and two with a win over them? I mean, I don't really think that, that they should fear their position in the, in the um, AFC North race against the Steelers or, frankly, in the AFC North race at all. I think they can, they can right the ship and, and win the North with the, with the three home games they still have left uh, against the division. I think there's some question as to where they stand in terms of the, the other teams that are likely to make the playoffs and whether or not they have enough to win and whether or not they can stand up to teams that really have a good pass rush regularly. And, um, you know, I, I think what I've seen in terms of creativity the last, the last couple of weeks to try and slow down opposing pass rushes that were just too good for their offensive tackles is actually quite positive that, you know, they, they got good games out of Lamar really twice in a row, even though it didn't show up statistically this week um, uh, with pass rushes that basically ate them alive during the game. So I, I at least had to take something positive out of that. But I don't, I don't really have any fear in terms of the division at this point. One of the things I read online is that OBJ play that Joey Porter Jr. told him to go home and be a family man. It's time now. Um, have you seen, like, I know it, he just came back, but what have you seen from Odell Beckham? Does, does I know like when we talk about the type of money he's getting paid, people are going to look at that and say, no, the value's not there, but they overpaid for a receiver to bring him in. Do you see him as a difference maker in this offense? No. No, I really don't. I think I think Bateman is still probably the guy who has a chance to turn it around and really be a top receiver. Beckham, there's a cap on how good he's going to be. Um, even if he's forced into a more prominent role, which would be a very bad thing, if if he was forced to be the ex receiver and they, they either lost trust in Bateman due to ineffectiveness or he's lost again due to injury, either of those would be, be just awful for the Ravens. But Bateman is the guy who who has far more upside than what we've seen so far in, in, in this season. I think Flowers will be back, and, and he'll be the Ravens' number one receiver in, in terms of most important statistics. But Bateman is the guy that I hope really turns it around. Yeah, I was, it was very disappointing to see him uh, in, in the performance or lack thereof so far. Yeah. Kim McCusick, tell us all about Film Study Baltimore. Yep, so filmstudybaltimore.com is my website where I have all my podcasts, and you can get them also on the on the other major uh, uh, podcast platforms and whatnot. I'll just say the big topic this weekend is how the secondary had to be restructured with Williams and Humphrey, and I go into a long discussion of that on the defensive pod. Thank you very much, Ken. We'll talk to you next week. Take it easy, guys. See you, right. Ken. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 